I'd like to let you know that Aussie Meted is sponsored by OPC Health, an Australian supplier of prosthetics, orthotics, clinic equipment, compression garments, rehabilitation devices for doctors, physiotherapists, orthotists, podiatrists and hand therapists. If you'd like to know what OPC Health offers, visit opchealth.com.au and view their range online. What would be your approach to treating a 43-year-old guy who comes in with pain and swelling in his left knee and generally feeling unwell, pain starting the night before and getting worse overnight? Good day and welcome to Aussie Med Ed, the Australian medical education podcast, a program born during COVID times to emulate that general chit-chat and banter around the hospital with the idea of educating the medical student and GP alike. I'm Gavin Nyman, an orthopaedic surgeon based in Adelaide, and it's my pleasure to bring Aussie Med Ed to you. And in this series, we've taken a different approach where we ask consultants specialising in their area to address a particular problem and answer the questions on how they would both assess and treat that condition from a medical student or general practitioner's perspective. Once again, welcome to Aussie Med Ed, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. I'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast has been produced and pay my respects to the elders both past and present. Well, once again, it gives me great pleasure to introduce Associate Professor Peter Smitham. Peter and I are going to discuss a clinical case of a 43-year-old male presenting with acute onset of swelling and pain in his left knee with general malaise. The clinical picture that we were presented with is he first noticed the pain the night before when he became noticed that it was difficult to weight bear on his left leg and he was sore when taking off his trousers and shoes. When he awoke the next morning, he had worse pain. And the pain was localised to the left knee and did not radiate anywhere else. Welcome Peter Smitham to discuss this case. Thanks very much for coming along. Thanks very much, Gavin. Great to be here. Now, Pete, you've heard the scenario. I'd like you to discuss how you'd go about assessing this gentleman. Should he come into your clinic or if you're a medical student, how you'd assess him if it's presented to you as an OSCE scenario? What would you go about thinking about if you saw acute onset of pain in the left knee? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, if I was the medical student sitting outside the room and got this history as the first off of the OSCE board, there's two real diagnoses that I'm trying to exclude, the main one being a septic joint or infection, and the second one being a minor trauma to the knee that's resulted in, say, a meniscal tear. Now, one of the other scenarios that the medical student might be thinking about is, could it be an acute onset of a rheumatological condition? What would go through your mind to try and think it's more orthopaedic as opposed to an acute presentation of rheumatology? Yeah, I think that's an important one to exclude, and, and I suppose it's something that often we, we miss out because we don't see them. Gout, obviously, is another one. The, the reason I'd be mainly worrying about the first two, I suppose, is partly because they're the acute two that I need to rule out, particularly the septic joint. That's the sort of urgent one that needs ruling out as the first thing. And I think the, the key thing that's made me sort of go down as infection as number one on this story would be that in the stem, it implies that the patient was unwell. And, you know, with someone that is unwell... It makes my primary diagnosis more septic arthritis rather than, say, an acute rheumatoid flare-up or gout or trauma. Yeah, I suspect gout's probably the one to keep in the back of the mind as well because it can look like a septic arthritis in this scenario, presenting with a very painful and swollen knee, perhaps with a low-grade temperature, although further investigations may help differentiate gout from septic arthritis. I think this is an important case to discuss because in orthopaedics we very rarely have things that are ultra-urgent but there are half a dozen conditions that come under the orthopaedic scenario of acute emergency conditions, septic knee being one of them. Obviously, just while we're on the topic, other ones that we need to always consider are compound fractures, a quarter equinus syndrome, a compartment syndrome, acute flexor tenosynovitis in the hand, as well as a pelvic fracture. But in this scenario, we're talking about a, a knee which has come on suddenly with pain and general unwellness, and we'd imply that you'd have a low-grade fever. 
Yeah, I think septic arthritis of any joint needs to be ex- excluded if you're worried about a joint. And then the other one, Gavin, is, is that dislocation that's causing potentially, you know, neovascular compromise. It's important to, to rule out acutely. Of course. So there's six or seven different conditions that the general medical student needs to think about when they see an emergency type scenario in orthopaedics. In this one, we're thinking it's a sepsis. What questions would you be asking just to exclude those other things like the acute gout, the acute traumatic fracture or dislocation? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think history is always fundamental with trying to uh, differentiate those uh, diagnoses going through your head. So I'd be first starting off with trying to get a, a, a basic history about how he's noticed his pain started. Has there been any recent sports or twisting injuries that he's had the day prior? Also, has he had any prior history of scratches or bites or infections, feeling unwell prior to it uh, referring to the knee that needs to be excluded? And then following on from that, I want to know a little bit more about the pain. Is this a global pain around the whole knee or is it more on one side? You know, because if it's global, that, that's making me think more again of a septic. If it's more acute, say pinpoint just on the medial side, it may mean more related to a trauma. And then I'd move on to a bit more about his past medical history, specifically exploring risk factors such as previous injuries or sepsis, previous surgery to the knee or any other part. And a history of gout or rheumatoid arthritis or diabetes, hepatitis, cirrhosis, immune compromise, drug use, HIV, all these things I think need to be excluded. And I think in that past medical history bit, the history is where you you sort of get through those things of whether this is an acute inflammatory arthritis and flare up or, or something more sinister. And of course, in one of my other podcasts, I spoke to Sam Whittle from rheumatology and asked him about this difficult scenario of an acute monoarticular inflammatory condition. And he said the actual acute monoarticular inflammatory rheumatoid arthritis or presentation is extremely rare. And usually in the scenario, it actually present with multifocal signs and generalised swelling in other joints as well. But of course, again, if there was a history of gout, that would certainly help direct you towards thinking this is an acute gouty presentation, but needing septic arthritis excluded. Yeah, I think it's often more of this acute on chronic sort of progression with, with these sort of conditions. And whereas the septic joint is that acute scenario that's sudden flare up from within 24 hours. Of course, the, the key point in this scenario would be the, the main question I'd be thinking about would be the temperature. And that's going to often be the, the key finding that can help you push that towards it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that comes to that patient feeling unwell. You know, have they got a temperature? Is the knee feeling not just temperature of them, but also temperature of the knee? Is it feeling very hot with potentially some mild erythema around that knee? Often knees, that it doesn't look very red and angry. If it's really ridiculously red and angry with a, a large amount of erythema, you're probably more looking at a patella bursitis, an inflammatory bursitis as being a diagnosis rather than actually the joint itself. That is a strange thing about a sepsis in the, in the main joints in the lower limbs particularly, or even in the shoulder as well. Often the joint can look fairly innocuous because it's so deep and you don't see the swelling. What other things would you ask for in the history? I know, obviously, one of the things that always comes to mind is also sexual history is important too for a sepsis. Um, are there any other things you might be thinking about? Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I, again, any patient that's being considered or potentially needing to go into theatre I want to check that they're safe to go on to theatre. So doing a basic past medical history check, also looking at what drugs and allergies they have, and along with that sort of family and social history. Again, if, you're, if you are trying to, if you're still unsure and trying to exclude history of an inflammatory arthritis and things, these are the things that are also worth, worth adding in. Okay, so he presents perhaps for an OSCE scenario. You've gone and taken a reasonable history to find out and 
that you're thinking that it's a septic arthritic joint. When you move on to examination, what would your first steps you'd be looking for? Yeah, so the first steps I think are what you've alluded to. You want to know whether they're, whether they're septic. And so they're the key things of working out what his pulse, what his temperature is and what his blood pressure is, just to really try and get your baseline uh, parameters of whether, how unwell this patient is looking. And then you tailor on your standard look, feel, move examinations on any orthopedics in this to a look, feel, move again scenario here. But you may find that some of those movement and feelings, you've got to temper it slightly with how sore this patient is. And this is why it's really critical when you are going on to that feeling and moving to look in the patient's eyes, look for any apprehension and always do active movement before any passive movement just to make sure that you're not causing too much pain. Yeah, I think it's always one of those very hard questions for the students. They always want to know how much pain they can produce. They're worried they're going to cause too much pain and they get in trouble, and therefore they may be scared to actually examine the joint. I think it's really important not to cause a patient too much pain, but you, sometimes you have to cause a little bit of pain to assess how severe or how bad they are. The classic scenario is always my general surgical attachments when we're looking for McBurney's point to see if there's appendicitis, we to look for rebounds, and that obviously you need to cause some pain to get that rebound tenderness. Same thing with a the, with the joint too. If, if you don't touch it, if you don't move it a little bit, you won't get any pain. But obviously you don't want to repeatedly do it and cause a lot of pain because that would be poor for the patient and not very professional. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, similar to, as you said, with, with general surgery, if you know the patient's got pain, first find out where that pain is and, and start your examination away from that pain. And then the point of doing active versus passive is to try and see what pain you can gauge in. But it's still really important to do some passive movements, even if they're in pain, because you're trying to differentiate between what's muscular pain and what's actual joint pain. And the passive movement gives you a lot more sense of what that pain is when you're moving it rather than them actually using their muscles to engage movement. So we're going to look at the joint. We're going to see that it may be a bit swollen, but there may not be some erythema. We're going to palpate. Normally when we palpate around a joint, you try and flex the knee up, but this will be difficult in this scenario. So what would be the first thing you'd palpate in this area, do you think? Yeah, so I think if they're sore but you want a little bit of flexion, sometimes you can put a little pillow underneath the leg just to give you that little bit of flexion but relaxes the patient. also shows you a bit of empathy and reassurance to the patient when you're doing this. And then I would be asking the patient first where they think the pain is most tender and then start away from it. And, I mean, this should be a global pain. Then you could start peripherally away from the joint itself, say over the tubercle, and then working up into the joint and then around either joint side, starting often on the medial joint line and then on the lateral joint line. But you're looking at the guy's face to see where this pain is. One thing I do in clinical practice, and is actually I think it's a good point to point out to the student, is that when you are trying to examine the patient but also look at the face, it's very hard to do both at once. So a nice way around this is to say to the patient, look, I can't see your face all the time. Please tell me straight away if I'm causing you too much pain or causing you any pain. Yeah, I think that's really important, particularly maybe a lot more when you're doing some examinations on the upper limb and around at the back for the shoulder, for example. But for the knee, a good trick is if you're sitting at the end of the bed, then when you're looking at the knee, it's it's really just a very short, casual flick up with the eyes to look at the face because you're in the same direction, so you're not really having to to look away. So it's quite a nice way. Knee's one of those actually easier ones to, to look in the face when you're doing an examination. I'd like to let you know that Aussie Media is supported by HealthShare. HealthShare is a digital health company that provides solutions for patients, GPs and specialists across Australia. Two of HealthShare products are Better Consult, a pre-consultation questionnaire that allows GPs to know a patient's agenda before the consult begins, as well as HealthShare's Specialist Referrals Directory, a specialist and allied health directory helping GPs find the right specialist. 
And what's the difference between, a, say, a pre-patellar bursitis, infected bursa, versus septic arthritis? What difference in examination would you find when you go to do motion? Yes, I mean, I think it'd be, you'd start off even before motion. It would look very different to begin with. Your, your swelling and your sweep test may show more of the, the, the bogginess and effusion is above the patella than actually underneath the patella. So I think that's really important to see. Also, the pre-patellar bursa, usually the skin is looking a bit more erythematous and a bit more angry than in a knee joint itself. And then in terms of palpation, it's again where the tenderness is. You should be able to be palpating the joint line itself, the medial lateral gutters uh, and the medial lateral joint line, and it not being particularly uh, painful. Uh, whereas the palpation over the patella and over that bursa will be sore. And then movement again, you may find that passive movement, particularly in the initial range from say zero to, to the you know, 60 to 90 degrees may not be particularly painful both active and passive in that short period because again is the joint itself is not irritated that further stretching at the bigger angles may cause problems because you're stretching that skin and irritating that bursa on the top so pre-patellar bursa more swelling particularly over the bursal region more passive motion uh, septic arthritis not as much to see just a general bogginess of thickening in the joint but very minimal passive and active motion correct yeah and the key is that passive motion is minimal as well Okay, so is there anything further you'd want to do on the examination part of it, apart from look, feel and move? Anything else, you'd special tests you'd like to do in this scenario? Well, I think you've obviously got to check the joints above and below. You could potentially look for any lymphedema in the groin, which again, pretty rare to see, but it's something that, you know, again, if you're thorough, you could look for. Uh, special test-wise, if you definitely think it's a septic joint, I'm not really sure you need to do any of the tests looking at the collateral ligaments or anything. You're just going to cause pain and irritation. And in an OSCE station for a student, you're just wasting time. The only other thing I could think of is perhaps look at the foot or any other sites of where infection could have entered. A scar on the knee or a little pinprick where something's entered the skin or more importantly, a... Uh, say a puncture on the foot where he stepped on a rusty nail or something. Yeah, I think it's important to expose the whole joint and the, the joints above and below. It's that classic orthopaedic sort of teaching. Also, if you can get them to see if they can walk, you're not trying to force them and trying to do it if they're in pain, but you know if they feel that they can do it, you can ask them to do it. They're sort of basic things to just check. Often, if they can walk, you may be getting to the point of that it's not as uh, septic. So what about investigations then? Where, where would we start here? I know taking temperature is very important. And what I would suggest to the student too might be to take, send, send off some bloods, looking for CBE, ESR, CRP, electrolytes, particularly renal function. But also, uh, never forget the blood cultures as well. And of course, uric acid levels will be quite important too, looking for gout. So uh, this is orthopaedic, so we always start with a plain radiograph. And this really is just to rule out any surprises that you may have missed out. You know, it could be a tumour that you didn't even expect it to be there or potentially even a stress fracture and a fracture that they haven't reported to you. I mean, one thing that you can see on the X-ray is that if you get a horizontal uh, lateral X-ray, you might be able to see that fluid level with the fat blood fluid level. And that gives you a, a sort of suspicion of whether it's actually trauma to that knee rather than that septic joint. But ultimately, you've got to go on to an, take an aspiration of this, of this knee. Okay, Pete. In real life, is there anything else you might want to consider to do to assess this patient further? With any patient uh, that may be considering surgery, you want to check their fasting level. And also checking to do a septic screen if, you are, if they are actually septic. And that will be looking at their, doing a urine and potentially a chest x-ray and checking, it, checking them for their safety for going on to theatre.
Yeah, other causes of infection too are always very important to exclude as well. So they say these sort of questions are great because it's actually not just orthopaedics, but it's actually general medical type questions as well and incorporates a few other areas, not just orthopaedics, which is why uh, they're always great OSCE questions as well to have. So you've gone, you've done your x-rays, you've seen the fluid level, you know he's got a fever, he's got a very sore knee when you move him, um, you've sent off blood tests and you've double-checked his urine, which looks clear. Uh, you go to do an aspiration. Now, how would you go about performing an aspiration? To, and what is the purpose of the aspiration? Yeah, so I think there's two purposes for the aspiration. One is a diagnostic purpose uh, to see out if this is a septic joint or a flare-up of gout or anything else. But the other actually is can be quite good therapeutic as well. It reduces the pain significantly if you aspirate this to dryness. And it's really important to aspirate not just to, uh, enough to get a sample to send to the lab, but uh, aspirate it to complete dryness because that relieves some of the pain and also relieves that septic load on the, on the knee while you're waiting to get to theatre. So it actually is a form of treatment as well. And of course, at the aspiration, we help differentiate the septic arthritis from gout. If there's presence of urate crystals and no bacteria, then you're thinking more gout. And of course, the opposite applies for septic arthritis. One of the classic questions is, what about starting antibiotics? Do you get that started straight away? So this is always the classic question that gets asked. I mean, I think the key is firstly finding out how unwell this patient is and how easy it is to get an aspiration. So the first thing is, ideally, you want to get those aspirations, those cultures off first, similar to blood cultures, before you consider any antibiotics. But if that's not possible and the patient is highly unwell, then a broad-spectrum antibiotic is a sensible option. But to be honest with you, in the majority of scenarios, you can get those blood tests off quickly because you're going to need to put a line in before you give antibiotics. That's got your blood cultures and everything off. And an aspiration, if done sensibly in an A&E department, can actually be done in only a few minutes. So it really shouldn't delay antibiotics significantly. And a good extra point on the aspiration is to try and send off an urgent gram stain to find out whether, what bacteria is in it and get an idea and also perhaps even seek advice from a physician or an infectious disease consultant about what antibiotics to start as well. But if you didn't have options to either of those, what antibiotics would you commence? So usually most of the first thing is your hospital will, or every, every hospital has a protocol for this. But a broad spectrum, uh, KEF would be my antibiotic of choice, unless, however, this patient has a high risk of, say, uh, an atypical one, say, as we said about a history of sexual gonorrhea, potentially is the story, or whether they've had removal of their spleen uh, and various other issues that you may need to consider, salmonella and various other things. So it, it would slightly depend on, on a few factors, but... Uh, broad spectrum KEF uh, would be the most common one used. So Peter, I've, I've come through as a medical student. I've, I've correctly diagnosed a septic arthritis. I've sent off the blood tests. I've uh, done an aspiration and sent them off a gram stain and, and commenced a broad spectrum cephalosporin and put them up on the ward and to have some dinner and be reassured that he's actually now safe. Is that is that the correct answer? No, I'm afraid not, but it's a, it is the answer that we hear a few times in these OSCE stations. No, it, that, you've really only just started the process at this stage. And it's really important if you've done the aspiration well and the patient's going onto the ward, that that's really where the start of the management is. You've, you've got to chase up all those results for a start. You've, as, uh, as Gavin, you alluded to, you want to have chased that urgent gram stain and made sure that you've got uh, both gram stain, crystals, cell count and culture coming back as fast as they possibly can. And then you want to make sure that they're fasted and optimised for theatre. This may mean if they're septic, you need to get some fluids on board. You need to get some analgesics on board because they're sore. You need to have consented them for theatre. 
And again, even by at that point, consenting for theatre doesn't mean you've ended that process. You need to be arranging that theatre, which involves getting in contact with the anaesthetist that will be running that theatre, getting uh, the, the uh, theatre booked up, and getting your seniors involved because they may be needing to be the ones doing the operation. And what operation would you perform? I'd be performing an arthroscopic washout <coughs> of this uh, knee. And what does an arthroscopy involve? How long does it take and how much fluid do you put through the knee in doing so? Yeah, okay, so procedure is performed in a properly prepared anaesthetised patient who's on the operating table. I'd make sure they've got a tourniquet up and got a sterile uh, drape and prep and the patient's all sort of set in theatre. So then it started off with usually two arthroscopic ports, but you start with one stab incision uh, over the joint line, which is in the soft spot that you can feel with your hand. You make a small incision through there and put your arthroscopical port in. At this, you, before you even wash the knee out, you can take another sample, an aspiration of fluid at this point, and drain the knee of any other fluid and send that off for further specimens. If you're still unsure, you can also take some synovial biopsies at this point as well. And then for washing out, I'd be looking at putting about six litres of fluid through this knee and doing a thorough washout of the knee. And sometimes if it's looking really mucky, you, you may need to put a third port in if you want to wash and get drainage so you can see at the same time as probe the knee itself. And is that the end of it? Is that, is that once we've washed it out and had them on antibiotics for 24 hours, we're out of control? Again, unfortunately, uh, that's uh, often not the case. They need prolonged antibiotic for uh, usually at least a week or so. Uh, they sometimes need a second washout if the knee was particularly mucky inside there. And also you're trying to work out why this patient had the septic knee. So, you know, there may need to be other optimizations that need to be done. For example, is this uh, on the background of a new onset diagnosis of diabetes that he needs to be managed and counseled and optimized for that? Is he immunocompromised? Are there any other things that, that are going on that are missed out? So really, we've got a case of what's the cause of the, of the pain. We find out a septic. What, what's the cause of the sepsis? How do we manage the sepsis with fluid maintenance that's beforehand? With aspirations to find out the cause, commencements of antibiotics, the actual procedure. There's a lot to this case. What seems like a simple, straightforward infection has a lot to it. Yeah, and I think the key is you, you tapped on this. This covers a lot of subspecialties and a lot of basic principles that are required for any sort of procedure or any patient, really because you're going through the, the, both the history, examination and management uh, and early management are important uh, elements and consent as well. You could actually break this into several different OSCEs if you really wanted to. Excellent. Well, look, I think if you were to present this patient to me as a, as a handover, how would you present this one? Yeah, so I'd start off saying, hi, my name is Pete Smitham. I'd like to present a 43-year-old gentleman for consideration of uh, urgent transition to theatre for an arthroscopic washout for a septic knee. This chap was presented with a 24-hour history of uh, left knee swelling, pain, and feeling unwell. He's got a temperature. Uh, he's had we've sent off uh, aspiration of his knee and, and bloods, and so far the things the back have shown that he's got a high CRP, for example, and white cell count being particularly high in the aspiration of the knee, and no crystals being present. We've got him onto the ward. He's nil by mouth now. We've written up some analgesics and uh, put up a fluid balance to try and uh, keep him optimized and we're looking for your input for his ongoing management. Excellent. The only thing I'd probably add to it would be, if you really want to show off, you could mention to the anaesthetist would, given it's a septic patient, I believe they might need a more rapid sequence induction because of the reduced emptying of a stomach during this scenario, but you obviously seek an anaesthetic advice, and perhaps even a catheter monitoring urine output given the sepsis state. This is a great case, and I think it's a really important one to know. So thank you very much, Peter, for presenting it to us today.
And once again, we appreciate your help. No, thanks, very, thanks, Gavin. It's been great to be here. I'd like to thank you very much for listening to our podcast. I'd like to remind you that the information provided today is just for general medical advice and does not pertain to one particular medical condition or one way of treating a particular condition. If you have any concerns about information raised today, please do not hesitate to contact your general practitioner for further information. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast and please don't hesitate to give us a like or tell your friends about it or give us a positive review. We look forward to presenting another podcast to you in the near future on a different topic. Until then, stay safe. Thank you very much.